0: Now on Sports Day, a sports update for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Pakistan fighting back. They're none for 45 in Perth from 21 over, so fairly slow going, but they haven't been able to break through yet, the Aussies. And over there for SEN Cricket is Brat sander who's doing a fantastic job calling the action and giving his best analysis as he does with every Australian Test match and more as well. Brat, welcome to Sports Day.
1: Thanks for having me
0: on, and thanks for the lovely introduction. Oh, Brad, we can do a lot more as well. We've only got a few minutes, but I can give you a good introduction every single time you come on, because I do (laughs) like your work, and you know this. Um, It it just strikes me that Pakistan are showing a little bit more metal and fight than what we thought, given that Australia was 5 for 4.10, all out for 5.87. It's pretty good to see.
1: It is good to see, and this was their strength, wasn't it? I mean, their batters. Uh, a lot of them world class, and uh, we all saw what Abdullah Shafiq can do last year when Australia were in Pakistan. Uh, and, and what they have shown, like you said, is a lot of metal and a lot of technical prowess uh, on, on a pitch, which, as we expected, has uh, done a lot more for the Australians than what we saw from the Pakistanis. But um, I, I guess none of the Australian bowlers have been able to really like put together like three overs where you know they're constantly at at the batter in that sense. Uh, and I think. They've really rode it, it well. Having said that, because they haven't scored enough runs, uh, the game is sort of stuck. So even if Australia can get a couple of wickets here, uh, it's still all Australia's way, isn't it?
2: Has it been slightly un Australian, the inconsistency in the start of this innings?
1: um i guess a lot of them are also feeling their way back into the longer format round. they've played uh, what two and a half months of white ball cricket uh, where they are used to shorter spells 10 overs and these are some of the most experienced fast bowlers I've ever had and arguably uh, among the best but i think you can just see them feeling their way back into into test cricket with each spell and even the second spell from Mitchell Stark already looks better than what we saw uh, uh, from him with the new ball uh, but I guess, look, it's just a case of one breakthrough, right? And credit to Pakistan as well. I mean, Abdullah Shafiq, like I said earlier, um, uh, has has impressed on, in in home conditions, had a good World Cup as well, uh, and so far he's looked as good as what you would expect from someone like Baba Azam, who is to follow.
2: So yesterday belonged to David Warner. Today belongs to a debutant in Amir Jamal. Just mm. tell us about and that uh, that he had. A couple of beautiful deliveries for the day. Yeah. Knocked over Alex know, Carey. Alex Carey with with, with de- the delivery of the day. Can you tell us um, just about his stellar debut so far?
1: Oh, and also someone who was picked more uh, as a bowling all-rounder, the fourth seamer, and uh, because of his ability to make twenty, thirty runs at number eight, number nine. Uh, that was a rationale uh, given to us behind picking him more as specialist spinner. Uh, and he just ran in hard. I called him the Monica Seles of bowling uh, <laughs> on radio because he grunts before bowling every delivery. And he gave it his ball, put his heart into every delivery, went short when his captain wanted him to. Uh, and you're, you're right. I mean, the balls he bowled to Alex Carey and Mitchell staff right up there amongst the best you see during the summer. Uh, so some, you know, some sort of a takeaway for Pakistan with the ball. Uh, six wickets and debut, it's, it's a rare feat. Uh, and not many would have backed him to be the guy to do that.
0: Brat, you know, you're a journalist, I'm a journalist. One of the hardest things to do is to talk succinctly about something that you can probably write three or four or 5,000 words on. But I I crunched some numbers today, I'm sure you've done this, and looked at David Warner's stats. Let's say in England, in India, England he averages 26, in India he averages 21. That's across 29 test matches. And he's obviously been dominant here and also in South Africa. Um, Can you just try to, I don't know, paint a picture of what his legacy is? I, I can't quite work it out.
1: No, I think with David Warner, it'll always be more about impact than numbers, right? Yep. And the fact that he still has those incredible numbers, um, if you put home and away together. And, and, you know, we do do a lot of home and away talk don't we talk about when yeah. it comes to cricket and stats. But, I mean, it'll be his impact. I mean, that'll be his legacy. I really do think he's the Adam, what Adam Gilchrist did to wicketkeeping. Uh, David Warner's down to test match opening. Uh, what I mean by that is... Now, everybody's going to look for the next David Warner and not be able to find him because I don't think there are too many who go around like Warner. So, I uh, know he, he's a special talent, and I all as. Semi outsider, I like, you know, I am very Australian these days, but yeah. as someone who watched a lot of Warner from the outside, I almost felt like Australia never really re- has or is yet to realize what they have in David Warner. So it's yeah. good to see uh, that they are, are realizing it uh, at least with the fact end of his
0: career. Don't call yourself a semi outsider; you're one of us, Brad. We love having you here, even ah. if you—I think you live in Adelaide, which is only a small downside. I think other than hey, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, stop that, Tom. Sorry, Coons. Um, but, but I mean, when you look at David Warner and you look at his career and the way he's played. Do you think that Australian cricket will appreciate him in retirement, even if we don't quite appreciate him now?
1: Yeah, absolutely they will. And you know, firstly he'll start very soon, right after he plays that last test in Sydney the way he wants to. And you're like, oh, okay, where do we go? And even the fact that people are talking about Mitchell Marsh uh, being being an option to open the batting kind of tells you that uh, there is a bit of not panic, but uh, that big whole that is left or will be left by David Bono Alex like, how do we find someone to complement Usman Khawaja? because it will come down to that right when you expect Uzi to just hang around for at least um, 18 more months from this point on in test cricket and you need someone who can allow Uzi to do what he wants to do like we saw yesterday in that opening partnership and, and I think that, that will be like again uh, I think that's when, like a lot of his teammates have said with David Warner, there's something about him once he crosses the ropes, that, and I don't even mean just with the bat in hand. There's running between the wickets, what two all run fours after he'd gone past 70 mm. yesterday at 37 on a hot day, uh, and just the the energy he brings to the field. I mean, his two catches in the World Cup uh, for me turned around the campaign for Australia in that third game when there were zero and two. So I think those were things. Those will be things which will never be replicated again.
2: Now, uh, Tom flagged on this show that he wanted Mitch Marsh to open the batting for the next couple of years for Australia. At <laughs> not yet. Not yet.
0: Only when Warner's done.
2: And when Warner's done, yes. At, at 32 years of age, well, he batted pretty well at six today with 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Green cool. is the future of Australian cricket. Um, what's the What's the read on on the two of those?
1: Mm, I mean. Just seeing the way Mitchell Marsh batted today, would you want to move him from number six? And, and I get where Tom's coming from as well. Like, you know, he brings that aggression. We've seen him do that in the shorter formats. And just the run Mitchell Marsh has had across formats, you almost feel like whatever whatever position you put him into, he'll just come good eventually. So uh, I understand where that, you know, where where Tom's coming from and a lot of other experts as well. But I almost I would back Cam Green to open, you know. I know a lot yeah. of people who have seen a lot of Cam Green don't agree with me, but I've Think he's he's got the technique and the temperament to bat right up at the top of the order. And number six, is he's always felt a little out of place for me at number six. And I know there's talk of pushing Manas up to open, and I know Cam Green comes in at number four. But no way is Steve Smith giving up number four anytime soon. So Cam Green will just have to find another spot. So unless he opens, he gets to bat at number two.
0: And now, before we let you go, we know you're close to Mitch Johnson. You've, you do the Mitch Johnson podcast. If you bumped into him over the last 24 hours, how's he going?
1: Nah, he's going all right. I mean, I've bumped, bumped into him a few times. Okay. Like he's doing uh, radio commentary next door to us. Yeah. So, no, um, no, nah, nah, he's, he's in good story, why. And uh, I'm already looking forward to our next episode, which will be about that GABA test in 2013. That's not some <laughs> article that he's written.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We'll say good to Whitey and Colo and Flem and uh, Pete and whoever else and and, um, and Pato as well and the rest of the guys there. Mitch, they're doing a great job. And uh, so are you, Brad. We appreciate your time on Sports
1: Day. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Have a lovely evening.